Welcome to a Football Friday edition of Section 247's The Goal Line Stand, all football, all the time. Coming to you from the Michaels Glass Company studios. Michaels Glass Company, 215-338-3293. Serving the Philadelphia Tri-State area since 1978. For all your windows, shower door needs, some cool stuff too. I saw them post a picture of a glass deck railing, mm. which... Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's pretty cool. We are also a Sports Talk Philly partner, sportstalkphilly.com. Follow us on all social, at GL Stand Show, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm Michael Lipinski. That that, so, that sound, that was great. <laughs> What's going on? I'm staring at a 35-foot-tall Santa Claus as we are recording this. Oh, nice. How's he doing? Uh, he's waving in the wind, but he nice. looks like he's ha- he looks like he's having a good time. Excellent. That's good. I'm, you know, Santa, it's all good stuff. Good times. Yeah, we look, we're approaching the holiday seasons. I mean, this thing's a little bit garish, if you ask me. It's a little bit big. But some people, hey, go big or go home, I guess. I don't know. I'm a little bit more simpler when it comes to Christmas decorations and lights. But that's just me. I tend to be a bit on the more simple side when it comes to my Christmas decorations. But, you know, still a beautiful holiday. Do you, do you have a tree? Do you have a bush? Did I ever tell you about the one? <laughs> so. Uh, for for I think those that have listened, they've learned. I, I'm a Hanukkah Jewish. Bush. A Hanukkah Bush. I, I, okay, first off, I do not subscribe to the Hanukkah Bush, uh, as we actually discussed uh, about a little bit over an hour ago over the phone, and we've talked about many times over the years. Christmas is one of my favorite holidays. I enjoy in a normal non-pandemic year sharing it with other people. I, I truly hope all those that celebrate it have a wonderful holiday. It is a beautiful holiday. It's just not mine. And I feel as if, you know, getting a Hanukkah bush is like ripping off the Christmas holiday. So to me, there should be no Hanukkah bushes. We have a beautiful thing called a menorah during Hanukkah, during Hanukkah which, just, which just ended last night. Um, that's our thing. You know, we can appreciate each other's holidays without having to rip them off. That's my take on that. So. I agree with you. My Jesus Christ menorah did not come out this year. So Yeah. But yeah, so my uh freshman year at Wagner College, uh if if my former roommate Anthony Sillis is listening, he will appreciate this. He asked me to put up Christmas lights in our dorm room, to which I responded, I'm Jewish. I don't know how to put up Christmas lights, which, you know, really anyone can figure out how to do that, but um, I wasn't being lazy. I was just being stupid. So, uh, no, was he being lazy? Why didn't he put up the Christmas lights? He had to do something. I think he 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 left to go somewhere, and ultimately, I think he he showed me how. So, I know how to put up Christmas lights, but typical yeah. typical Jet fan. Yeah, you know what are you gonna do? All right, let's get into this thing for the week. Here, we got some breaking news on the NFL front. Drew Brees has decided that he's going to return to the starting lineup. Uh, I, I'm actually surprised. Uh, maybe 
that he didn't come back a little bit sooner. Uh, but a loss to the Philadelphia Eagles and a loss of your number one seed might kind of push that thing a little bit more forward. It's it's go time now for for the Saints. They they need him back. They can't they can't risk sliding any further down in seeding. They're making the playoffs, obviously. Yeah, they're making the playoffs, but you know I, I think this is a this is a run to try to get the number one seed, which is obviously important because you'd like to have the the lone buy. Uh, of the NFC playoffs. So, uh, and it's clear from the Saints' performance last week, not to take anything away from the Eagles, which, you know, we discussed, uh, and, and I definitely do not, but there would have been a different game had Drew Brees played. Uh, look, I do, th- there is a risk to this. I mean, the guy had 11 broken ribs, and I'm assuming they're still broken or mend. I mean, they're obviously mending, but uh, there's no way he is comfortable. And I wonder if he's going to even be – he might be a shell of himself. So who knows how this is going to work out. And if he re-injures himself, this could be a serious problem. So risky, but you got to go all in at this point. Yeah, they got to go all in. It's it's a move that they had to make. Uh, Let's turn our attention to college football real quick. Coastal Carolina, the darlings of the college football playoff. And and Louisiana, I mean – they are a darling of story of the season as well. Uh, both Sun Belt schools, they were scheduled to play in the conference championship game. It has since been canceled, and they are going to be co-champions. Was it actually canceled because of COVID, or was it just they decided it, not it, to play? It, no, it was a COVID cancellation. There was one COVID positive test uh, for Coastal Carolina, and just that one test alone – Caused them to cancel it, which, look, I'm not getting into the cancellation. It's just interesting, you know, I mean, think about LSU, who last week traveled with, like, literally 54 kids, riddled with COVID, and they played. Coastal Carolina has one kid have COVID, and then they're, they're out. You know, they they take themselves out of a conference championship game. Well, I wonder if that's because Coastal Carolina is a little bit ticked off over what occurred with the with the ranking. They yeah. are undefeated. They're 11 and 0 and they're what were they ranked 11, I believe. Well, I don't have the rankings in front of me right now. Yeah, I, I think I that's right. Were, I believe they were ranked 11. So they say, "Uh, you know what? Screw it. What, what are we playing for? We're not playing for anything anymore. You're not you're not going to you the college football playoff committee is not going to allow us to get where we need to be anyway." So, yeah. Whatever. Well, now people are questioning whether they even are going to make a new year's six bowl which because they're tech you know technically they're not going to be the outright champion and they as you mentioned the conference says it's recognizing both teams as champions which i don't necessarily think that is fair because coastal carolina already beat louisiana i believe so and look credit to louisiana you know if it weren't for Coastal Carolina, we would be talking about Louisiana as one of the darlings. They had a great year. Louisiana went to Iowa State, who's playing in the Big 12 championship game tomorrow, and de- soundly defeated them. wasn't even a close game. So, you know, the Raging Cajuns had a really good year, too. But, you know, going back to Coastal Carolina, now they, they can't even say that they're conference champs. I don't know. I mean... I don't know what you do. Can you delay the conference championship game? But well, but here's the thing. Couldn't you delay the conference championship game by a week? 
and just say screw the play, screw the playoff rankings. I don't even care about that. I care about winning my conference, and we're gonna but, just delay that for one week. I guess it depends on the bowl tie-ins uh, with uh, with uh, excuse me, I was commenting with the Sun Belt. And, I mean, I can look them up now because bowl games start the day after. I actually probably next week. I think. Yeah, uh, old schedule is all goofy this year, but. If they're in theory, if they're not going to make a New Year's Six Bowl, they're going to go to whatever Sun Belt Bowl. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look up the so, Sun Belt Lions. You, you talk, talk. No, but you. that's that's exactly my point, which is if you're not going to make a New Year's Six Bowl, to me as a program, what is more important to be deemed a co a paper co champion and play in you know the John Hancock Bowl? I know that was an old time bowl some random fourth-tier bowl, or wait another week, don't play a bowl game, and play Louisiana, which is an excellent game, by the way, and, and play to be the outright Sun Belt champion in a year when the Sun Belt had some really good teams. To me, I would say, screw the bowl game. Let's go wait a week. Let's get both teams. Hell, have both teams screw the bowl games. And give it two weeks, and that'll be your bowl game, the Sun Bowl Championship. So, excuse me, at, Sun Belt Championship. So Sun Bowl is not being played this year, but yeah. Boca, yeah. So they have the Boca Raton, the Camellia, the Cure Bowl, famous Idaho Potato Bowl, First Responder Bowl, Tropical Smoothie Cafe, Frisco Bowl, new one. I uh, maybe I don't know. The Myrtle Beach Bowl and the New Mexico Bowl in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is actually be playing being played in Frisco, Texas this year. If you're following along. They also have the New Orleans Bowl, and that is their big one. Uh, if, yeah, you know, carriers New Orleans Bowl. Well, I don't know who the what the other tie-in area is. I believe Conference USA. You could have them play each other in the New Orleans Bowl. Uh, it would be a little bit unfair for Coastal to have to go to Louisiana and play Louisiana, but it's an idea. Yeah, but but okay. So I'm saying though, you, Mike Lipinski, are the head coach of Coastal Carolina or Louisiana. And I'm coming to you with two situations. One being you forego the Sun Belt Championship and get to play in the Tropical Smoothie King Northwest Idaho Potato Bowl. I, I just combined about eight of them. Or screw the bowl game, wait a week or two, and you play the uh, with the opposite team in the Sun Belt Championship, and you just go for that conference championship. Which would you do? Considering it's probably not a money thing at that Group of Five level, they're not getting a lot of money to go to one of these bowl games, yeah. and they're not getting the experience this year because yeah. of the situation. I'm trying to win my conference title game, and they're ranked yeah. 12. Coastal is, is ranked 12. Ahead of them is Indiana, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Georgia, Florida. Iowa State, Texas A&M, and then the four, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Alabama. And Louisiana is like, what, 19th or 20th? Uh, yeah, they are They are ranked uh, 19th. So I think that the, the issue here is maybe they're holding out hope that enough teams kind of falter in front of them. They can get in. Because I believe if you're in the top 10, you're, you're slotted into a New Year's mm-hmm. six. Yeah, New Year's Six Bowl. But I don't think they're jumping two spots. They're not jumping Indiana. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, if Florida gets gets smoked, 
they drop down, I just, I don't think it's happening. It's just an interesting scenario. We've spent a lot of time in this podcast talking about Coastal Carolina the past two weeks. You know what? To their credit, they deserve it. it they've done a really great job. And, uh, you know, in a normal year, uh, I think they'd be talked about even more. You know, you'd have, you'd have had the traditional game day there. I know they had one, but it wasn't quite the same. Um you know, we talked about the expansion of the college football playoffs. If that ever were to happen, a team like this would get in. Uh, so, it, and also, I think it's the fact that this is so Louisiana, for instance, and Cincinnati has Cincinnati is an old program. I mean, you know, they've been around for a long, long time. Coastal Carolina is a recent FBS program, so I think there's that element to it as well. No, I agree with you. You know what bowl game they wouldn't be playing in? That is the uh, Hawaii Bowl because Aloha Stadium is going to be no more. It has been condemned. Yeah. Aloha Stadium site of University of Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Yeah. Uh, the Hawaii, I believe it was the Hawaii, not Stars, Hawaii Islanders of yes. the old World Football League yeah. back in the 70s. Uh, it used to host minor league baseball because it is a convertible stadium. And obviously, home of the Pro Bowl for many, many years. Yeah, yeah, it's going, it's going down. Not allowed to use it anymore. No, but I believe they're actually holding the so it's actually home to two bowl games. The is it? It's the Hula Bowl and the Aloha Bowl. I think I that's they, what it is. I thought they combined it into one. It used to be two. Like on you, yeah. So, but either way, one of those bowl games, I believe, is being played this year at the stadium because no one is going to be there except for the few people. And it has, I, I was, so I was reading the article and there was some contradictory reporting regarding whether or not the building is structurally sound. Uh, it is, I guess, at least sound enough for them to have one more game. But then the problem is, Hawaii will not have a home stadium until 2023. I don't even know if they've broken ground yet on, and they're going to be calling it Aloha Stadium. So then the problem is, well, what do you do? The FBS requires you to have, I believe, a stadium that's over 20,000 people, or you have to get a waiver, which means I guess if they got a waiver, they could play at a local high school. The only other stadium in Hawaii that has more than 20,000 is on Maui. It's the old War Memorial Stadium, which is, a, it's a dump. And I mean, I don't even know if that thing has a press box. So either, so either they're going to seek a waiver and try to play at one of the local high schools, or they're going to have to fly even for their own home games. I guess they could take a boat too. It'd be really interesting if you weren't on mute, buddy. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just looking this up. Charminade University of Honolulu. Uh, it's because they, they have the basketball tournament there every year. I don't. I know they exist. I don't know if they have. They don't even have a football team. Yeah, so I guess that they, they couldn't even do that. The Silver Swords. That's a cool name, though. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean. You'd have to play at the War Memorial Stadium in Maui. Wow. Uh, yeah. So interesting, interesting scenario there. Uh, I haven't looked up the high schools. I wonder if temporarily you could add a bunch of bleachers 
to whatever is the largest high school stadium on. So that's a on, on Oahu. Two for two, buddy. <laughs> the, the hula ball, yeah, was played at War Memorial Stadium. That was the All Star Game hula ball. Yeah, uh, so that holds twenty three thousand people. Um, Have you so seen that, what that thing looks like? They haven't played that game there in fifteen years. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, that thing is. Uh, it looks like Randall Randall's Island's old stadium. I mean, that's a. It's a dump. The only regular season football game to occur at, at, in Maui, University of Hawaii defeated Montana 30 to 12 in front of 12,863. Yeah, it's it, this is an issue. I I think probably the the best I would look to there has to be cuz think about it, there's some big time high school programs in Hawaii. Well, I, do, I do know that a lot of the high school programs play at Aloha because uh, Hawaii has a very good training program for officials. So I actually watch a lot of their tape. They do okay. a great job of disseminating it through through all the other organ- state organizations. Yeah. And they play a ton of games at Aloha Stadium. Wow. So I, I don't – maybe they just put a big boat in the middle of a harbor, uh, middle of uh, the bay and put some turf on it. I don't know. Yeah, you'd still Everybody need to put – you'd still need 20,000 people. We have proven this year that you do not. Well, no, in a normal year, they require you to do that. UConn doesn't have 20,000 people. Just get the UConn waiver. That stadium can hold 20. It, it, it's a, it's not about how many, because well, if that's the case, there have been a few Rutgers games that have been south of 20,000. That's true. It's about capacity. You could take the University of Hawaii for a season and move them to Southern California. Uh, I mean, next year. Who knows? It, it, it's, worth, it's worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, it's it, and you and I are both stadium nuts, and during the off season, I'm, I'm sure we're going to do a few stadium shows. So this will be, uh, I, it's just strange. I mean, they literally will not have a home, and not only for one season, for two, for two seasons, they have a problem. We won't call it Stadium Stampede because we're not allowed to because WWE apparently owns the rights to the name Stampede. Calgary yeah. is very upset about that. Uh, let's get to it. Am I crazy? Am I nuts? What is wrong with me? We're, we're going to ask that question right now. Am I crazy to think that Jalen Hurts will be traded this offseason by the Philadelphia Eagles? Mm. No, I, you're not crazy. Maybe a little mashug, you know, a little mashugana, but not, not completely full-fledged straitjacket. Uh, it's definitely a possibility. So, because if he lights it up, the thing is, I you're not going to get a first round pick for him. Could you get, get a second round pick back for him? Yeah. Why would you? I don't know why you'd want to. You know, to get more firepower for Carson Wentz. Yeah, you, you could. Probably not the most advisable move. But then again, not the craziest thing. In the world, so. Am I crazy to think that the Oakland, I mean, excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders have found their new quarterback in Marcus Mariota? Yes, you're crazy. Because, frankly, I don't think Derek Carr is going anywhere. I mean, 
you know, once his groin muscles attached to the bo- the bone again, because that, that that one did look bad. Um, I think he played well enough to earn another year. I don't think that they want to necessarily start over. I think Marcus Mariota earned himself a decent paycheck. He now, whereas we've talked about in the past, Chase Daniel, who remarkably is the world's highest paid backup quarterback in the history of the NFL. Uh, frankly, Marcus Mariota deserves, he deserves Chase Daniel kind of backup money. And to me, that's a good gig. Derek Carr hurt his groin badly last night in the Raiders Charger game. Marcus Mariota comes in and played extremely well. Uh, He was only there on a one-year deal, though, correct? I believe so, yeah. So he's earned himself at least to be paid as the highest paid backup. And if he has, if his next three games, uh, depending the in, the injury looked horrible. I haven't read anything on Carr's status. I, I'm going to have to imagine he's going to be out for a while. It looked bad. Yeah, I mean, he was he was running, and look, Derek Carr's a tough guy. And um, when he was running, he could have even gotten a touchdown. And I mean, his. Just you know, he react. I mean, he he literally dropped the ball too, and and just went right for his groin. I was listening to it on the radio at that point. I didn't see yeah. the play. I was listening to the radio call, and the the I I feel like it was your buddy Ross Tucker. I'm not sure, <sighs> but they were like they were like, oh my god, he he he's in pain. He's hurt, and I, you know, every guy is like, oh geez, my nuts, kind of thing. But yeah. Marcus Mariota looked good. It was funny. Uh, someone had sent out a tweet, and I wish I would have screenshotted it to give him proper credit. Tomorrow on Philadelphia Sports Radio, should the Eagles trade Carson Wentz for Marcus Mariota? <laughs> I, I had to laugh because, you know. No, absolutely. That's, that's, know, that's, uh... that's one of the things that would pop up. Uh, sorry, so I'm, I'm only somewhat crazy then. Yeah, not you know, not too bad. I mean, you know, nothing where I need to alert your wife that you need to be institutionalized. At least not yet. Well, we the holiday season is is upon us. Yeah, we already know. As we discussed, let's get to it. Eagles Cardinals coming up this weekend. A huge matchup for the aforementioned Jalen Hurts uh, in his second professional start. The Cardinals actually lead this series fifty nine to fifty six with five ties, and I, I bet you know a lot of people. Probably thinking, well, yeah, 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 I guess so. I the Cardinals to me, the Cardinals are not a rival to the Eagles, but I go back to the NFC East days, yeah. Uh, as a kid growing up and family having season tickets, I got to go to all the Cardinals games because no, because no one else wanted to go, so I went to all the Cardinals games. This here show is named after an event that occurred. In one of those Cardinal games, the goal line stand, you know, six plays inside the inside the yard line, uh, yeah. minutes, uh, amongst other goal line stands. But this is a, a historic rivalry for the Eagles. Maybe not so much anymore that Arizona went out west and they realigned, but the Eagles won a championship, the nineteen forty nine NFL title, seven nothing, in in the snow over the then Chicago Cardinals. Cardinals moved to St. Louis and obviously are in the Eagles division for, for many, many years. When when did that change? Was that when did they move to yeah, the Cardinals? When they, yeah, when or, did they mean, when did they move to St. Louis? When did they move the fourth to the no to the fourth division? Was that early two thousands? Yeah, two thousand two. Okay, because I 
Yeah. There, there's certainly there's there, there's all those games where Buddy Ryan returns to yeah. Philadelphia as the coach of the Arizona Cardinals in 1994. And I mean, he has everyone on that team. Uh, Seth Joyner is a Cardinal, I believe. Clyde Clyde Simmons. It was really bizarre to watch to see the old coach on the other sideline. And that was against Rich Kotite. And that was Kotite's last win as an Eagle. There was, there is to me, the game that stands out other than the NFC championship game, which they blew uh, in 2008 is the Donovan McNabb game where Donovan McNabb, where I was there, I was at that game. I know you Uh, were. Donovan McNabb breaks his ankle and goes absolutely crazy and, and, and wins that game for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Oh, in 02. That was 2002. That was the 2002 run. That was the uh, – that made room for Ty Detmer or Coy Detmer, one of the Detmers. Well, and then the week after in San Francisco, get the Detmer gets hurt, whichever one it was, and then in comes A.J. Feely. A.J. Feely, right. And yeah. then McNabb returns for the playoffs. But I remember that being – it was one – I remember the play happening in front of me. I was sitting in Section 320. And where you're angled, you, you can kind of see it. And you knew right away, like, his ankle got – it was bad. Yeah. And the fact that Donovan McNabb did what he – threw four touchdowns on a, on a broke on a broken freaking ankle. It's pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, I, I I vividly remember that game. I remember you going to that game. I know, I know he went with that, uh, too, with that game. Uh, and we called each other afterwards because the Giants had a game against the Redskins. And you were, you were super pissed. You're like, well, there goes the division – there goes that because you know the Giants were like semi-competitive, and they went to the wild card that year. And I was like, no, I think you guys will be fine. But that I, you know, and everyone shits on McNabb, and and there's plenty of reason to do so. But when you talk about toughness and thing, this is you know really it's an underrated performance in terms of tough guy performances to do that on a broken freaking ankle. It's impressive. Yeah. That might be a good off-season topic, right there. Uh, I, look, I, I got the list going already. We're, we're you know, granted. Trust it's not, me, fans, you're still going to be entertained. It's not winning an Olympic gold medal with a broken no. neck, but it's no. pretty damn. It's pretty damn close. It, it was very time, impressive. You got to give him credit for that. Oh, I agree with you. I, you know, yeah. I, I I agree wholeheartedly. The the last meeting, I guess, the other meeting that stands out would have been uh, they had. In 2005, so this would have been a Christmas Eve game, 2005, uh, stands out to me because holidays, you associate holidays, me with football, Christmas Eve as as being a Polish guy is a very important holiday. And I specifically remember leaving family function to lock in on that game, and it did not not go the Eagles' way. Uh, Last meeting, October 8th, 2017, Eagles 34, Arizona 7. I was in the building for that game. That was Carson Wentz, man. And that was a Carson Wentz game that (sighs) – it's mind-boggling to think of what was in that game versus what we have now. Uh, Just crazy to think that the last time these two teams played, Carson Wentz was the man, you know, he 30, uh, 21 for 30, 301, uh, 304 yards, four touchdowns. Where was that guy? Yeah, I mean, that was really – that was the the height of the Carson Wentz portion of your Super Bowl run when, I mean, really – I mean, there was like a good six-week stretch, I feel like, 
in 2017 where you guys didn't even have a close game. So, and, and that was, yeah, that was in the middle of the Carson Wentz MVP run. And, and you know me very well and listeners. So one of my things about going to a game for the most part, especially if it's an Eagles game, a local game, I don't leave. You know, yeah. I, I have taken your approach for when we would go to Rutgers games because sometimes you got to get the hell out of there. <laughs> but specifically when it comes to like the Eagles, I, I yeah. don't leave. I'm there for the warmups and I'm not leaving until that final gun sounds. Yeah. And I remember the people I were with, I was with, the game was over at halftime. I mean, done, done so. Yeah. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, I got a whole second half to watch here. I might have been the only person in the section by the time the game was over. No, yeah, well, you know, I, I think that is one difference with us a little bit, but it also is a function of our the realities of where our teams are located relative to where we live. So you know, the nice thing, and I always, every time I ever went to an Eagles game, the drive home, which is, you know, once you get out of the initial traffic of the the, um, the stadium and the arena and everything, you know, you're home in, if you're in South Jersey, you're home in 10, 15 minutes. And I'm always, like, so jealous to think of you go to a giant game and, you know, you still got an hour and a half ride, which after, sometimes after a blowout, that could be a long ride. That is true. Uh, let's get to this game. Eagles, Cardinals, this is an interesting one. I, again, I, I don't know what to make of the Eagles after Jalen Hurts' performance and the offense's performance a week ago, defeating New Orleans. This is a team that is very much uh, – Arizona is beatable. I, I'm not completely sold on Arizona's defense. At the same time, Arizona has a lot of weapons, uh, Haddon Heights' own, Hassan Reddick, Temple University – so let's kind of get to it. The, the new look Eagles offense versus the Arizona defense. I really think this just comes down to what are you going to get? If you're going to get a, a running team similar to what, what occurred a week ago with rolling the pocket, this is a good matchup for the Eagles. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And also think about it in terms of, what Arizona didn't see last week when they played the Giants, which was they had an immobile quarterback, an injured and compromised Daniel Jones, where even, you know, to the most layman of football fans, they would see there was many opportunities for the quarterback to run. Now implement the read option that we talked about in a run-heavy approach. I think what that will do is, you're going to be able to stress the Cardinals' defense from a horizontal perspective with Jalen Hurts. If you're able then to pound it a little bit, you're going to be able to bring up an eighth guy into the into the box, which will open up the passing game. So I really like the Eagles' matchup offensively. I, I think that you know they'll be they should be able to to move the ball fairly effectively and fairly you know, relatively easily. I agree with you. If it's based off of basing it off of a week ago, if it's the same yeah. game plan, this is I'm not saying it favors the Eagles, but it is a favorable matchup. It is a scenario where they can get some stuff done here. Now let's talk about Cardinals offense, which is high powered, fast moving versus the Eagles defense, which is now really beat up specifically in the secondary where, Again, you got guys coming off the practice squad. Rodney McLeod is done for the year. Jalen Mills back to cornerback. 
this is a little bit this is a little bit scary here that have a quarterback that can maybe carve you up a little bit and get out mobile quarterback again kind of get out in the field uh, and take advantage of that situation I so I agree with you that I, you know if I were an Eagles fan I definitely would be concerned about the injuries and the, the depleted defensive backfield the one thing I would say is the Cardinals offensive line is not very good and the Eagles defensive line is relatively healthy particularly as relate you know compare them with any other position group on the Eagles team uh some of them look like mash units so I do think that the Eagles defensive line could really be dominant against that offensive line, which then would change the whole trajectory of the game. So that's the one thing you can still rest your hopes on. You know, if, if you're going to hurry Kyler Murray, and for the most part, if you could keep him in the pocket, that's the other part about it. Well, then you got a good shot because it doesn't matter how bad your cornerbacks are if Kyler Murray's on his ass. Yeah, you're right, and that's the key is the pass rush and seeing if the Eagles can get to Kyler Murray. My concern is always with a running quarterback is when they get out in the open and they're just gone. Unless yeah. they get unless they get snipered down, you know, the, the Eagles don't do all that well in that against that. I don't want to against that running quarterback, the read option, RPO. They seem to kind of get stuck in space sometimes. So. That could be dangerous. Yeah, I, I agree. And also, I, I think what you're also alluding to is the fact of this is a game where you'd really like to have a very competent, strong linebacking core. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I'd like so I'd like Alex Singleton. I have been on. He's that. played well. Yeah, he is. I'm not saying he's a game changer. He's not. He he is. He's clearly an NFL linebacker. Again, yeah. if win the Canadian Football League Defensive Player of the Year, chances yep. are you can come down to the United States and play well. But you're 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 holding your you're resting your hopes on on, on him. Uh, I mean, just him and him alone. I think believe T.J. Edwards is banged up a little bit. Then it comes down to Jim Schwartz being creative, and that's that's scary. not his strong suit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, Jim Schwartz is either like it's like all in or all out. He's either like yeah. really aggressive or completely timid. I haven't seen a, 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 a midpoint yet. Yeah, and, and going back to TJ Edwards, and this is, I'm not trying to slight him because I actually really like TJ Edwards' game. Yeah, TJ Edwards to me yeah. is more of a downhill run stuffing. Um, I'm trying to get TJ. If you guys are playing the Titans, he, I'm happy that TJ Edwards, if I was an Eagles fan, I'm happy TJ Edwards is on my team. TJ Edwards is a Wisconsin Big Ten linebacker. We talked about yeah, yeah. You, know, you know what you're getting from that. Yeah, but a little limited athletically, which against this kind of offense, meaning the Cardinals offense, it, it's not necessarily as favorable a matchup. Exactly. Now let's get to it. I think this comes down to special teams, and that's where I think the Cardinals have the advantage because uh, and the Eagles have the idiot kicker who all of a sudden can't make kicks because Howie Roseman's a jackass and decided to pay him a ton of money and they really can't cut him. So, you know, you have that thing going on. I, to me, the special teams advantage, Arizona. Uh, I, you know, intangible specialty. I Probably Arizona has a slight advantage. The, their kicker, though, really isn't, isn't a bargain either, though. 
idiot so. kid. I, I I hear you. I you know it's a problem. It's a problem. I think, I think the Eagles lose this game. I think this kind of plays a lot like a week ago. Uh, kind of maybe flip flop it though. I, I 27-24 Cardinal win. That's what I'm hoping for at least. Uh, I'm going Eagles twenty seven Arizona twenty. Yeah, see, you know, you're just getting me angry because now they're going to slide even further down in the draft. Board. I don't try to anger you. You want to do a Thrive Fantasy commercial while while I get all ticked off? I'd probably be terrible at it. You're you're the one who's good at these things. <laughs> Check out Thrive Fantasy and the Thrive Fantasy app, ThriveFantasy.com. Thrive Fantasy is our daily fantasy sports partner. They have, have a little bit of everything: e-gaming, basketball, hockey when it comes back, baseball, and of course football. Uh, check them out. Download the app. Use code SEC two four seven. When you deposit twenty five bucks, you get twenty five, and I believe it matches now up to fifty this week. And you can uh, hey prop up, win some money, and tell them we sent you. So let's move on to the New York Football Giants. <laughs> I already started laughing. I know it's giant. Yeah. Well, so Giants are having a little bit of an issue right now. Yeah, uh, a bad, few. Yeah. Bad timing for, we'll get into the historical perspective here, but bad timing for COVID to strike Giants camp. Uh, Jason Garrett, the clapper, has COVID. Hope that he's okay. Yeah. Freddie Kitchens, former Browns coach. Yeah. Plays. Interesting. It, it is. Um, look, you know, go back two years ago when Hugh Jackson lost his job. Freddie Kitchens did a nice job stepping in with respect to calling the plays. So from, you know, in that perspective, I'm kind of interested to see it because I tell you, I'm not in love with Jason Garrett. And frankly, I think Jason Garrett is going to lose his job in the offseason because you look at Daniel Jones, um, statistically, you know, he's way down from last year. Obviously, he's injured and he may not even play this week. It's been revealed that he, uh, in addition to his hamstring issue, which he clearly is not over, he also sprained his ankle in the Cardinals game. So I think that at some point, I, I believe Joe Judge was going to make a decision today regarding it. I haven't heard anything. Um, at this point, honestly, play Colt McCoy. I'd, I'd rather have someone healthy than a guy who is compromised. Um, then, the, you know, the other problem when you with as relates to COVID, uh, James Bradbury, our, frankly, our star cornerback. The guy has played, to his credit, at a pro bowl, all pro level. Uh, he has been deemed a close contact of someone who uh, tested positive outside of the facility. And because of that, he's on the COVID reserve list. And I think the soonest he can get off is like Monday or Tuesday, which if you're playing Sunday night, really does, does you no good. So that's a problem too. So now Isaac Yadam is our number one cornerback. Let's talk about this matchup here. You mentioned it a week ago. If Odell Beckham is, is coming back to the Meadowlands and this is a full full house, this is a little bit of a different game. Yeah. Let's talk history. Cleveland, New York football giants. Initially, my thought was, ah, you know, it is what it is. But I imagine if you go back into the, the 50s, 60s, there, there has to be really a history from when Cleveland, the original iteration of Cleveland, joined the NFL. Yeah, they're actually it, it is a rich history. Uh, so last week we were talking about the Giants and Cardinals, which 
literally dates back to 1926. Here, similar to the Eagles, the rivalry with Cleveland dates back to 1950 when they joined the NFL. But there actually are some very notable games and some games uh, I used to be told stories about from uh, my dad who went to some of these games as a kid. So the first uh, in 1950, the Cleveland Browns defeated the Giants. They actually played three times that season. I'm sure the Cleveland also played Philly two or three times. Uh, but so Cleveland defeated the Giants eight to three in the American Conference playoff game. And what's notable about that is that was actually the last ever playoff football game to be played at the Polo Grounds. Um, now, the New York Titans, which then became the Jets, they started at the at the Polo Grounds, but they were not good at that time. They only got good once they got to Shea. So that literally was the last ever football playoff game at the Polo Grounds. Then you go to really the other kind of historical famous or notable time was the 1958 season. Now, the last week of the season, the Giants needed to defeat the Cleveland Browns in order to make the playoffs. Game was played in the snow. I believe there was like a trick play, pat, touchdown pass from Frank Gifford, or Charlie Connerly to Frank Gifford. But to win the game, Pat Summerall, needed to nail a 49-yarder in the snow to win the game, and he nailed it. The week after, the Giants blanked the Browns uh, 10-0. My father went to that game. He actually went to both. They were both played in New York. So he tells me the story about that. But, I mean, to hold the Browns with Jim Brown to zero points was super impressive. And then the Giants went on to lose to the Colts in the greatest game ever played. That was the 58 season. Uh, in terms of myself, uh, obviously, particularly, I've only seen the Browns twice. The first time I saw them was September 1991. Uh, the Giants won 13-10. to uh, I really don't remember much about that. I do remember it was kind of a weird game in that it was Bill Belichick coaching the Browns, and he had already started to take some of the Giants with him. So Joe Morris was a New York Giant, and my beloved Mark Bavaro, excuse me, was a Cleveland Brown. So it was so weird to watch that. I forgot about him being a Brown. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, and then later on, I mean, uh, he, Carl Banks was on the Giants this year. Carl Banks ended up going to Cleveland, and a lot of these guys, before they ended up going to New England with Parcells, they stopped off in Cleveland. So uh, I was looking, though, at the stats. So the Giants won 13-10. to 10. Jeff Hostetler was the starting quarterback. That was the big issue that year. Ray Hanley chose Hostetler over Phil Sims coming off the Super Bowl. Hostetler threw for 65 yards. Um, the Giants said they ran for over 200 yards led by Rodney Hampton and Lewis Tillman. I don't know if you remember that name. Uh, and then they held the Browns to, you know, like 150 yards. Then the last time I ever saw the Browns was September 2004. Uh, the Giants won 27 to 10. This was Kurt Warner's best ever game with the New York Giants. I can tell you, I mean, he struggled for his most part in his nine games as a starter uh, with the Giants. People forget the Giants' starting quarterback because time in New York was awful. So he had his run in St. Louis and an awful time in in New York. And then the rebirth in uh, Arizona. Yeah, that's true. But so of those nine games, though, this was his best game. And there were some of his throws. You're like, yeah, like you, you saw the old 
And then the future Kurt Warner, it was in this game. It was against a struggling Cleveland team. So Kurt Warner threw for 285. Tiki ran for over 100. I was looking defensively, and you'll appreciate this, Mike. So Strahan had two sacks. You know who else had a sack? Carlos Emmons. We had picked him up. We picked him up after you guys got rid of him because we we always like to get your retreads. Never played well for the Giants. You you still hold that against me for some reason. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, so yeah, you know that's historically, but there is, uh, but so Cleveland does lead the series, twenty seven wins to twenty two losses with two ties. You know, so in terms of the game, and look, a the it, the offense, it's going to be a bit of a crapshoot because right now we don't even know who the starting quarterback is. Um, either way, it's going to be very limited. It's going to be very vanilla because. Daniel Jones can't move because he's hurt and Colt McCoy can't move because he's athletically limited. Um, the giants are going to have to try to run the ball, but I have to believe Cleveland is just going to load the box. Definitely worried about a guy named miles Garrett and to his credit, Olivier Vernon, who always tip, you know, at least when he was with the giants always had some kind of ailment is playing probably his best football of his career right now. So you got to give him credit for that. And it's really going to test the Giants' offensive line. You know, the Giants' receivers just have been nowhere to be found. So I, I really don't see how they're going to be able to put up uh, a lot of points on the Browns. So which is going to, it's all going to come down to the Browns' offense against the Giants' defense. And you know they're they're going to have to somehow find a pass rush. They're going to have to do a good job disguising coverages. But now you're limited with that because James Bradbury's hurt. So it, it really is tough. You, know, you were talking about storylines regarding the game. So obviously the big one would have been Odell Beckham. One other one to keep in mind is that Baker Mayfield, when the Giants drafted Daniel Jones, um, perhaps even more than myself when I was shitting on the Giants for that pick, uh, Baker Mayfield said, like, why on earth would the Giants draft a guy like this? Quarterbacks, it's about winning. This guy never has won anything at Duke. Like, really – took it to Daniel Jones and Daniel Jones took the high road, which is probably a smart move. Um, so it is kind of interesting to see Baker Mayfield go up against Daniel Jones and look, the, the Browns need this game very much too. I mean, they most likely have a wild card wrapped up, but they could, they're still in play for the NFC, excuse me, the AFC North. Yeah, no, they have, this is a lot to play for. This is a lot for yeah. both teams. I mean, the Washington does here. And if the giants can get back on track, you know, they're back in the, the NFC East race, and Cleveland is still playing for their playoff. Yeah. Line. Well, and so speaking of Washington, uh, Adam Schefter reported like a few hours ago, Alex Smith is out. For, and they're, they're playing Seattle, so it's not like it's a, it was an easy game to begin with. But now they have Dwayne Haskins. I, you know, I'm, I don't really know if Dwayne Haskins is going to light it up. I think, you know, with Alex Smith, even though their offense hasn't been that great, there's just something about like there's a little bit of magic there. A little bit of good juju, as we've said, uh, which, you know, with Dwayne Haskins, I don't necessarily know if it's going to be there. Yeah, so, I mean, this is a big game for both teams. I, I just think the Giants, even with all of their players healthy, are coming in. It's a limited team. You know, to his credit, I think Joe Judge has gotten the most out of them. But now with injuries, with COVID, I you know, I, I and on top of it, I will say, if there has been one disappointing element of Joe Judge, it's that the special teams of all units has actually played fairly poorly. So 
you know, so even that you got to give to Cleveland. Um, so I, I see this being kind of similar to last week where it's not going to be a blowout. It's not going to be a 38 to three kind of game, but it's going to be one of those games where even in the first quarter, you could tell, okay, Cleveland's going to win this game and consistently just start to build on a lead. So it'll be a, uh, I'm looking, I'm thinking like a, a 24 to 10 kind of game. Well, you're, so you're actually, at, well, I guess it all depends on the quarterback play. If it's not Daniel Jones, uh, I, I maybe can, I agree with you. I think Cleveland is playing, they're playing for their life here still, like I said. Yeah. So I, I take them in this game. Uh, I'm not sure. I can't, it's so hard to do without, without the quarterback. If it's Daniel Jones, maybe 21, 17. Uh, if it's not Daniel Jones, some injuries, COVID situation, I could see the Giants maybe packing it in just a tad, not not on purpose, but yeah, it, it's just mounting against you. Uh, uh, Twenty one set. The only other thing to keep in into consideration is the fact that the Browns are coming off an absolute war with the Ravens on Monday night, so it's a short week for them, which means they're either going to come out on fire or exhausted and depleted. So we don't know yet which Browns team from that perspective we're going to see. So for, for those uh, optimistic Giant fans, I'm not going to name you. You know exactly who I'm talking about. You're probably hoping for that. Uh, I don't I don't know, though. Either way, I think this is a, a – it's just a tough stretch for the Giants to win this game. So I am either way, I'm picking the Browns. Let's talk about last night's game real quick. We mentioned uh, Marcus Mariota and a, the aforementioned groin injury of uh Derek Carr John Gruden had a little bit of a mishap with his hat uh, he actually wore an Oakland Raiders hat not that's a, disgraceful not a Las Vegas Raiders hat uh, a little bit offensive huh do you think he's gonna get fined I can't see where you would find him I, I mean but don't you have to wear approved it, it's years? it was the same hat so I, I imagine he just it's not the same this is a hat of a team that doesn't exist anymore how is I, that approved? It's a throwback. I don't know. Maybe he thought it was a throwback. <laughs> it's a throwback. It would have been great if it said Los Angeles Raiders. That would have been real good. Yeah. I, I mean, this is um, – I don't know. That, that's a bad look, though. Twitter was all over that thing, baby. It, it's it just, it's a bad look. It's a bad look. It looks like – look, at the end of the day, I don't think you care about what John Gruden is – you don't care about what he is wearing on his head. But it just kind of shows, like, not being completely with it. Not uh, the lack of attention to detail. Yeah. Now, granted, I think, you know, everyone would say that he's focusing more on the intricacies of the plays, and that's where you want his head to be. But still, the fact that you're not aware of the fact you're wearing a hat, of it's just a bad look. Let's talk about Bobby A. Bear's uh, long-lost cousin there, Justin Herbert. Played really, really well again. Uh, yeah. The Chargers are this team where they're so up and down. Like they, they, they clearly need pieces, but the you can kind of see they're going to be a good team there at some point. Yeah, I mean, look, think about particularly you know Derwin James, who could. It, it's a shame. I, I don't know how his career is going to turn out, but he's supremely talented. He just can't stay healthy. He really is a complete game changer in terms of that defense and. If they add one or two more pieces just to that defense, and he's right now, you know, and uh, Justin Herbert is doing this with 
seventh round and undrafted wide receivers. In addition, Keenan Allen's banged up. Mike Williams was banged up, but they found their guy. I mean, when we were talking about Justin Herbert and the mock draft and all that, you know, I said, look, there are times he has all the traits to be a superstar, but then he, it, it wouldn't necessarily come out of the field. Well, to his credit, Everything that is, was positive about his game, he has shown this rookie year. And the things that used to be the head scratchers is not really showing up. And he really – he is a special talent. If I'm a Charger fan, I don't care if I was, you know, 2-14 and 14 this year. You found your guy, and, and you're, you found your guy for the next 10 years. Yeah, they definitely have found their guy, and they should be happy uh, with the direction that they can go now because you have your quarterback. Biggest piece of the puzzle. Yep. All right. You have some special segments for this week. Yeah. Well, are, are we doing our two games we like? We're going to do that at the end, but okay. you have special Yeah. Have special so so let, let's get to it real quick. Yeah. So the first one, in honor of National Signing Day, I came across a really cool article uh, from Max Preps where they highlighted and discussed the num- the consensus number one recruit for each recruiting cycle since 1986. Now, the uh, pro- you know the proviso is they use the super prep recruiting service. They didn't use Rivals, um, to, uh, 24-7, Scout, you know, so this is, the, you know, the super prep. But I thought it'd be interesting if we quickly ran through it to see which guys actually made it, which guys we never heard of, and all that. So 1986. Jeff George, I'd say that panned out. Uh, yeah, that one worked out pretty well. Where does it tell you? I'm guessing a five star. Well, well, so they're all five star because these are all the number one recruits. Oh, the, whole, the whole country got yeah, 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 yeah. So from uh, quarterback Warren Central from Indianapolis signed with Purdue. I didn't even know he signed with Purdue and transferred to Illinois. I, I always just thought he transferred to Illinois. Uh, this next one, I think you might know. Uh, it was a running back from Bishop McDevitt in Harrisburg. Do you know who I'm talking about? So it's not LaShawn McCoy because it's not that point. No, but you, re- you realize the history then of that high school with oh, running yeah, back. Yeah. So what, what year? So this would be 1987. For who? For what? Oh, that's – oh, my God. Yeah. Ricky Waters. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say that worked out. Oh, God, I feel old now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, this is a little depressing, but – I mean, Ricky Waters is borderline Hall of Famer. I agree. Uh, so, 1988, uh, Xavier Crawford, running back from Memphis, Tennessee, he verbaled or he he went to Memphis. Um, so, apparently, according to this article, he had recruiting violations as a sophomore, injured his knee as a junior. He now apparently is in prison for rape and robbery. Obviously, didn't work out for him. Yeah. Um, this next name, I, I think you remember, remember Terry Kirby, the running back. So, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is 1980. So he went to Virginia, and then he was like a longtime backup running back in the NFL. So that kind of Falcons at one point. Falcons. I think he played for Washington. He was one of the. He was. You know how we always talk about the, the Carlos Hyde coming in when there's a guy injured. I feel like Terry Kirby was that guy in the 90s. So uh, 1990. This one's also another interesting one. Um, Chris Winkie. He was actually the number one recruit wow. in 1990. But then what happened? He goes and tries to become a baseball player. That's right. Yeah. So, and yeah, so it's crazy to think he was the number one recruit in 1990 and actually was a Heisman Trophy winner in 1999. 
this is sort of a unique story there. Uh, 1991, Marquette Smith, the running back from Lake Howell High School, Winter Park, Florida, uh, went to Florida State, then transferred to, at the time, Division AA UCF. So never really made it. Uh, supposedly he had a few knee injuries, which completely derailed his uh, NFL career. 1992, I didn't know this guy was considered a number one recruit, Amani Toomer. I had no idea either. Yeah. Uh, so from I knew he, he went to De La Salle. Uh, he was, at the, you know, like number two all-time receiver in Michigan, 13 seasons in the NFL. 93, Ron Palace, Berwick, Pennsylvania. Good old Notre, good old Notre Dame's Ron Palace. Yeah, who, I mean, he was, I remember, I remember they showed his first ever collegiate game was against Northwestern. The Saturday night game, and like you'd have thought he was God. He was like one of the most overhyped. Um, he was undrafted. You know, it's amazing. He was undrafted in the NFL and never threw a professional pass. I was going to say I don't remember him even making it. I, I don't. I don't. No, I think he was decent at Notre Dame, but but he was never going to live up to the hype. Right. Uh, Ninety four Heinz Ward. So. That one worked out. He's now, and we're going to talk about this more. We're going to do an even deeper dive when it comes to the Hall of Fame because right. he's a semifinalist. Uh, 95, Sean Alexander. I'd say it worked out. Worked out well for him. Yeah. 96, I Tim Couch. In general, I mean, worked, worked out well out for college. Him. Yeah. yeah. Um, 97, do you remember this name, Randy Fasani? It's a quarterback from Del Oro. No, Sal uh, I remember Anthony Fasani or Fasano, the tight end from Notre Dame. But yeah, so this guy went to Stanford. He was a fifth round NFL pick and played for the Panthers. Uh, 98, David Givens went to Notre Dame. I don't know if you remember, Mike, he was a wide receiver. He was part of the initial wide receiver group for the Patriots, the first yeah. run of Super Bowls. Yes. He was like so so, but you know, so. Uh, 99, Anquan Bolden. I'd say it worked out. Worked out for him. 2000, DJ Williams, the, the linebacker on an 11-year career in the NFL, played in Miami. Um, played alongside two Camden County boys as well, uh, Howard Clark and Jamal Green. Uh, 2001, the local guy, Kevin Jones. Oh, wow, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's, that's our year. Yeah, that was our <laughs> year. He was the man. Remember it now, yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he was he a first-round pick. But he got hurt, right? Did he blow his knee? I feel like he did, but he was a first-round. He played well at Vatek, and he was a first-round pick. But I, I totally – I completely Correct. forgot. Huh? Did he play for the Lions? Yep. 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 Cardinal O'Hara. Um, o2 Vince Young. I'd say it worked. I guess so. You know. O3 Ernie Sims, linebacker. Right. Yeah, I – Played eight, eight years in the NFL. Yeah, Florida State. 04, Adrian Peterson, still still doing it. That's wild, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 05, a New Jersey boy, Eugene Monroe. Remember him? No. He was the offensive tackle from Plainfield, went to UVA. He then went, played at Jacksonville. He was, de- he was good. No. <laughs> uh, 06, Andre Smith from Alabama, the big offensive tackle. Played 11 seasons in the NFL. I'd say it worked. This one's sad. Joe McKnight, the running back from uh, Louisiana, went to USC, played the NFL for four seasons, and he was killed in 2016 with that road rage incident. Yeah. That was a sad one. 
Uh, Daquan Bowers, DL from South Carolina, played at Clemson. He had knee issues um, even in college and then in the pros. Uh, 09, Matt Barkley, who is still a backup. Still around, man. He's collecting He's collecting the cash. Yeah. Uh, 2010, Ronald Powell went to Florida. He's from California. DL, uh, D. Lyman, always was banged up, always had knee injuries. Had a two-year uh, career. I don't remember. Uh, 2011, Jadavian Clowney. I'd say it worked out. You're going to laugh at this one. Uh, 2012, Doriel Green Beckham. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that, I mean, we're we'll talking about another guy. It's, it's amazing. Like, I remember look, watching him. It was like, wow. I mean, he was a grown man in high school. Uh, speaking of which, grown men in high school, Robert Kimdiche, the defensive lineman who I think this year he got signed somewhere and he was so out of shape, they just dropped him. So, I mean, he's basically out of the NFL. 2014, Leonard Fournette. So it generally worked out. Um, this one's interesting. I really don't remember this guy too much. 2015, Trenton Thompson, defensive lineman, went to Georgia at five and a half sacks his entire career. He's playing in Canada right now, or well, not this season, but maybe how we should go look for him. Yeah, you know, maybe he'll turn him around. Uh, 2016, Jersey boy Rashawn Gary, who's starting to come on for Green Bay. Yeah, I think they're. I think they're liking what they're seeing out of him. Uh, yeah. certain, even at Michigan, uh, you know, he didn't seem to be as dominant as a lot of people thought he was. I'm not saying that he was a what he was a first round pick, right? Yeah, I feel like so, he was more of a workout warrior as opposed yeah. to production on the field. Uh, 2017, Jalen Phillips. Initially, he's from California. Initially at UCLA. This past year, he transferred to Miami, and this year he's had 15 and a half sacks. So whether it's this year or next year, he's going to be a first-round pick. So the light bulb definitely clicked. Uh, 2018, you may have heard this guy. We've talked about him, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, never, never heard of him. <laughs> uh, 2019, Nolan Smith, defensive lineman from IMG Academy. He's at Georgia. He's had five sacks in 18 games, so he's coming along. You know, He's not draft eligible yet. Uh, and then 2020 is Brian Brees, uh, defensive lineman from Clemson, who – this year, he's had a few sacks. Uh, according to Super Preps, the number one recruit for this year is another defensive lineman, Corey Foreman, who actually did not sign as of yet and is planning to sign in February. But I thought that'd just be an interesting segment just to go through some of those names, particularly from the earlier years there, and see which ones sort of panned out. It shows uh, how old we are starting to get. Well, so speaking of how old we are starting to get... So the date is December 18th. Now, unfortunately, what I'm about to say, it does share with a birthday of someone who broke my heart, but we're not talking about that. But prior to that, uh, Mike, do you know what happened 27 years ago? Wow. So the we beat, we won the uh, upper division championship game. Yes. Yeah. There was a group of 16 or 17 yeah. young kids who – uh, won the Cherry Hill Pop Warner Upper Division Football Championship, defeating the 49ers, not the San Francisco 49ers, just the 49ers, 27 to 12. Uh, so I just wanted to briefly mention that it was a great game. I can tell you, I don't know if you want me to go in depth about the game. No, I, do, I do remember a lot of it. I, I do. I got to tell you that uh, 
Was that the game? We destroyed uh, Vitarelli's and the Hockey Den the year before, correct? No, we actually destroyed Vitarelli's and the Hockey Den after the first bad Raiders season. Oh, okay. So well, yeah. I, was gonna say, well, I don't think – I think we had to have our pizza post – Post game pizza party at the field because we were banned from establishments. As yes. group of, that tells you how we were. Yeah. Uh, so I think one of the special things, and to me, this is this was something I I always you know I loved your father very much, and I I, I had a wonderful relationship with him, and I thought we had a funny moment. Uh, Mike, you'll probably remember. Uh, so for those who are listening, because it's you know you would always have recycled helmets everyone's helmet was white and before that game before the playoff or before the championship game your father took it upon himself and to his credit he painted all of the helmets and he painted them the blue like the chicago bears and i'll never forget the morning of the game he gave everyone back their helmets and the look that everyone had i mean this was a big deal to have a painted helmet well, because the only other team that had the painted helmet were the, were the 49ers that year. Yeah. And they, they were obnoxious about it. They were very obnoxious about it. But your father and I had this kind of unique relationship. And so, I, I get, you know, you and I, we were, we were the two youngest kids on the team. We were there because of our size, but we were still younger. You know, both of us only played a half that game. And I remember I was like the last kid to get the helmet. I looked at him. I waved him over. Your father, you know, your father was a tall, big guy. I said, you know, this this isn't the right color. <laughs> and he he, he kind of winked at me and then told me to get the f out of here because he didn't want anybody else to focus on that. And me being the weird savant that I am, I <laughs> that was the first thing I did. Thank him for painting the helmet, but of course, the first thing I had to tell him was that the color was off. And so that that was uh, a, a moment I always remember. But it was also, to me, uh, that team had beaten us uh, two times in a row. They had a, they were the number one seed. We were not favored. I remember some of our older players complaining how they had a signed football that they had already signed earlier that week about winning the championship. And we went out there and we, we shut them down. Uh, I say we... I really didn't do much. I'm, I'm not, not going to lie, but uh, you we know, cheered on from the sideline. We did, yes, and, and watched people like Anthony DePaul and Jason LaRock and Dave McCaffrey, Marcus Manuel, Craig Toby, Greg Gull, Mike Watkins of Section 247 fame, uh, and others. Uh, you know, but it was a, a memorable moment, and it was a moment our fathers, who were our coaches, were incredibly proud of. So I think that we definitely should uh you know commemorate it and it was 27 years ago so I, i'm gonna crack a beer in yeah honor of, and i might even make a facebook post to remind yeah. some of people and rub it in mark ironella's face yes we so, did be, yes we did beat him that is correct so, yeah. on that note oh and jim keneally if he's listening that is all oh, that's true yeah <laughs> we settled the beef after that game uh let's talk about the games that we're going to we're going to take. We're going to check out this week. Uh, one in college, one in pros. Let's start in college. I have a feeling I know where you're going, but go first. Uh, so my college game is it's the ACC championship game, Notre Dame Clemson. This game has the most to do with what's going to be 
with the seedings and, and who's going to be in the college football playoffs. So there's also a lot of bad blood because Clemson really has been vocal about, well, you beat us with our freshman quarterback and not Trevor Lawrence. And I think Notre Dame's kind of getting a little tired of hearing that. I mean, it wasn't Notre Dame's fault that Trevor Lawrence had COVID. You can only play who you play. I'm not, and I'm not necessarily pulling for Notre Dame. I'm just saying I think they're – so there's there's a little – there's a rivalry here that's brewing. So I'm looking forward to this game. And it could very well be that these guys play next week too. If Clemson wins, it may very well be a Notre Dame-Clemson semifinal, which is crazy. I want I want chaos. I want to see Northwestern <laughs> beat Ohio State. Yeah. Really throw this thing into a tizzy. I actually want to see what Northwestern team – I mean – which Northwestern team shows up? You know, they they took it to Wisconsin earlier in the year yeah. defensively, and that really I think put them on the map. They they're a they're a six and one team. Uh, they are fav- They're excuse me. They're eighteen and a half point dogs, according to William Hill right now. There's been all this talk about Ohio State and the Big Ten forcing their hand to put them in the championship game. What if Northwestern just comes out and? Beats them, shuts them down. Do they use the Indiana method? You know, Indiana lost by seven to, yeah. to Ohio State. I'm interested in seeing what happens there. That's noon on on Saturday, which is weird that it's noon and not a night game. But obviously, I don't know. Well, the key question is: Is Gus Davis calling that game? You mean uh, Gus Johnson? I meant Gus Johnson. Yeah. yeah, Gus Johnson. Yeah, he is. Unfortunately, I'm. Uh, uh it's hey when he gets when he gets warmed yeah. up. There's nothing that beats him. It's no. he just starts yelling and it's great. So, yeah. um, so my pro game is uh, New England and Miami. Um, and to to me, you know, it's an opportunity for Brian Flores, the former New England coach, to really put the final nail in the coffin in terms of New England's chances to make the playoffs. Uh, and, and finally killing their chances uh, and really dawning a new era in the AFC East, even though most likely Buffalo will be the AFC East champion. It's really, it's sort of just like killing the old King. Uh, and to do that, I think that it's a really interesting dynamic. That's an interesting way to, to put it. I like that. Yeah. Killing, uh, I'm looking forward to Kansas city, and New Orleans, kind of what we talked about the return of Drew Brees and, this is the top two teams. This is a potential matchup we're going to see in February. Uh, it, it could go that way. What do we get from New Orleans? I, I was not overly impressed. I know they won nine games in a row before they beat the Eagles. And yeah. sometimes you're just you're overlooking Philadelphia to get to Kansas City. But it should be good. Patrick Mahomes, anytime you watch him, it's always it's always entertaining. The one of some people say one of the goat quarterbacks. I don't know. I mean, Drew Brees has he's a Hall of Famer, right? I think we're 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 there. Future Hall of Famer versus future Hall of Famer way down the line. Yeah, uh, it would be a good quarterback matchup, and it has it some fantasy, uh, things going on for me. There. I, it, fight for my three peat. Well, I, I wish you the best of luck with that. You know, it's interesting if these I guys do not. I have no shot. He he almost had another big catch last oh, night. No. Then he got yeah, yeah. they got hurt. Um, you realize if the Chiefs and the Saints do not end up playing in the Super Bowl this year, this is most likely the only time you'll ever see Patrick Mahomes against Drew Brees. 
That's crazy. To th I mean, yeah, I, just the way it all matches up. Because then they wouldn't play again for another four years, and Drew Brees is not going to be yeah. – he, he's going to be alive, but he's not going to be playing. Right. Uh, he, he will be retired in four that's years. That's my game. Uh, that's the one I'm looking forward to. I, it'll be a red zone for me, but that's the one I'm looking forward to checking out. Yeah, it's a good one. On that note, next week is a Christmas edition, so I don't know what we're going to be doing. We got We have to talk about that. Uh, because it's Friday, Christmas, you know. I'll tell you, there will no, be no Hanukkah bush, guaranteed. There will, perfect, no Hanukkah bush. Enjoy your games this weekend. Uh, stay safe, wear a mask. If you get the vaccine, congratulations. Uh, my wife received hers. Didn't Her arm did not turn into a cyborg, and I tried using her as a hotspot. Uh, get your minds out of the gutter. Uh, didn't work for it. 